0: Welcome to Know His Love Stories, where we listen to the voice of the father through his children. Today's story comes to us from Justin. He's originally from Rochester, New York, moved to Steubenville at a young age and then to Michigan, and is currently living in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he's a theology teacher. He's been married for over 11 years, and he and his wife have a daughter that's 10 years old. This is a Know His Love Story. I would say for about 30, the first 30 years of my life, um, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less. Um, I was born and raised Catholic. Um, I was knew a lot about doctrine. I knew a lot about, I was well formed catechetically. Um, I was immersed in a in a culture um in Steubenville, Ohio that was living the faith. I had many witnesses to the faith. Um, but I would say I cannot remember God being personal uh for those 30 years. There were moments um, where the possibility of a personal relationship with God uh, came came to me, um, which maybe I could talk about more in a little bit. But I would say that fundamentally, it seemed like um, God was far off um, and that he he cared about me through people uh, and relationships. Um, but i didn't see how he i could have a personal relationship with him uh and i think um the the feelings the experience of the first 30 years of my life uh or at least the ones in which i was more mature and able to wrestle with these questions was uh, marked by a lot of um you know vacillation between intense searching Hope that um, I think a well-founded hope at times that I could be saved, Um, an attraction to um, beauty, and an experience of um, wrestling and searching. So um, Augustine's phrase from The Confessions, which the novelist Walker Percy, who I read at a very formational point in my life, um, kind of updates. I think Augustine's version is, um, why do I know so much about the mountains and the rivers and the seas and so little about myself? And, and, and uh, Walker Percy says, why do I know about black holes and dark matter and all these things, uh, dark uh, uh, quasars and pulsars and all that, and know so little about myself? And that was probably the, from about 15 years on, that was probably the predominant kind of wrestling that I experienced, um, just a deep mystery about who I was and sometimes anxiety and depression around that. So I had my first inkling of this when I, um, after Pope Benedict was elected, I was, I was actually studying political science at the time at a, a large public university in Michigan. And um, I just picked up, I it must have been one of his homilies uh, or messages, I can't remember what exactly it was and uh this strange idea of of uh, an encounter with Christ was suggested and uh i'm sh- i had to have been exposed to that language at some point in my life but i don't really have a strong memory of it if i was and i remember though it was i was so it've been shortly after his election so i'd been in college it would have been about 2005 or 6 and uh, so this idea of a personal relationship with with god um just clicked with me, but it still entered that period of like wrestling and struggling with that. What does that mean? And, and, um, so I, I transferred, um, to a small Catholic university, the university of St. Francis here in Fort Wayne. I was like, I'll study theology. That's how I'll figure it out. That's how I got our God. Right. Um, and, uh, so I went through the bachelor's program and then, uh, you know, decided, I don't think I, 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 I did this not so I could go into ministry um so i worked in in politics for a little bit in washington dc and houston texas and uh, then i was like ah i can't get away from this question so i gotta go study more theology so i'm back for a master's degree in theology and then i started working in ministry so the first five years my my time in ministry were just kind of marked by um an investment in catechesis and i wanted to just share if only people could know the way i was catechized um and and hear from the catechism um, uh, that's, that's going to solve my problems and the church's problems. Um, and it just, I was five years into that project. Uh, I was desolate. I was, uh, at the point of giving up. Um, I was looking my joke is, this is true, but I was so desperate. I was looking for jobs and human resources. Uh, <laughs> and, and someone suggested, and this is not a plug for student conferences, but, uh, just part of my story. someone suggested that I attend, um, the St. John Bosco conference at, at student mill conferences at Studentville, And, uh, so I said, so, well, I got to try something, you know? Um, so I went and. Uh, there was something about. I grew up in Steubenville. There was something about being back. I hadn't been back in a while. That was kind of triggering things personally in a good way. I was feeling very grateful. Um, my 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 deep insight from this trip uh, was that uh, here was this crappy little town in the Ohio Valley um, that was the Lord was working out something important in the life of the church, uh, which was not too different from a crappy little town in the Middle East, uh, Bethlehem, where our Savior was born. It just seemed to fit the way he works. So I was I was primed in a way. I was desperate. I was feeling grateful. Um, and one of the keynote addresses was Bishop David Ricken from Green Bay. And uh, he was giving a talk on evangelization, and it was the stuff you'd expect to hear. And all of a sudden, in the middle of it, he started to give personal testimony. It was a very striking personal testimony. And um, you're not used to hearing bishops speak in such personal ways about their faith. Um, so I was in a, in a very unique place, uh, just kind of like, like that combination because of gratefulness, desperateness, and then on alert because bishops don't talk that way. So I was really listening, really intent. At the end of his personal testimony, uh, which is really his, his story to share, um, he invited us to entrust ourselves, those in the audience, to entrust ourselves to the Lord again or for the first time. And that's the thing I don't think i would ever done. And I, I, I can't remember if I did it exactly in that moment um, or if it was just primed for it in that moment. But I'm beginning to realize like, okay, I'm unsatisfied in my job. Um, maybe that's the thing I need to entrust to the Lord. Um, so when I got back, uh, to, I was living in Houston at the time. Uh, I was working in a parish doing adult faith formation. Um, just every day that I was after mass, I would spend about 15 minutes and just, just repeat over like, Lord, I just entrust my pro- professional life to you. I don't know if I can give you my whole life, but I just, I, I, I think I can give you that. Um, and it, it became more certain as I prayed, prayed that over time. And wouldn't, you know, like I started to feel this like intense, uh, peace, um, that, that would come over me over this time. Um, I noticed that, well, I didn't notice at first. Um, we had a family wedding and we had two family weddings in the course of a couple of months. And my relatives who had come in out of town the second trip said, Wow, you're different. Like, you just seem less anxious. You seem more at peace. And, and it's really like, this is the only thing that's changed. I've started to entrust my professional life to Jesus and I became more consistent in the prayer. Uh, scripture became alive in a new way. Uh, it became uh, it what I you know recognized in retrospect as I was receiving all these consolations started to experience um, uh, charisms fruitfulness and intercessory prayer um, and I just felt uh, as the sense of being held uh, that I didn't have to worry as much um, and and um, so I saw all these fruits and, and it, it was almost like in a, in a human relationship when you entrust a little bit of yourself and you get a positive response back. You, this is the person whom you've entrusted yourself to, your heart to, has um, re- reciprocated uh, with trust in return, and that that experience has continued to grow. And I was in a period of consolation for about three, four years—the longest period of consolation I've ever experienced in my life. Recently, in the last year, it's kind of I've had some periods of desolation, but um, the desolation is so much easier after knowing that it's everything's in the Lord's hands. I think fundamentally it is to be known. Um, I was, I was in my, my teaching. I'm, I read the gospel at the beginning of my classes every day, the gospel today. And today the day they were recording this, it happened to be the gospel where Jesus says, do not be afraid. Um, the you are worth so much more than sparrows. Right. Um, and, and as I was reflecting today for the third, fourth, fifth time, I read it six times in the day, just every time I read it, that line just sunk in more and more. Um, so even just today, I feel this freshness, uh, of of this experience to be known down to every hair of my head, um, that, that, uh, just as he knows every sparrow, uh, he knows me, uh, intimately and that I can entrust myself, uh, to him. And so that sonship um, is a relationship. I've I've, I've learned that as a relationship of entrustment um, and that sense of being known that he knows another favorite scripture verse that I just reflect on in this vein all the time is um, uh, you are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) And um, that just speaks to me. It's, it's interesting. He still does it the same way he did before, I entrusted my life to him, uh, and that is primarily through I think community and beauty. So I always saw signs of him uh, in the richness of communal life. Um, I, I've been very blessed with many friendships, mentors, um, he, but also I have a great love for beauty. Um, I love Bach. I love classical music, but even even more more modern things, music too, and art um, and so I just I sense his love um, greatly still in those things, uh, as well as as I think the one thing that would change is my reading and understanding of, of scripture um, has just become more more dynamic uh, and familiar and intimate. Uh, one of the things that I, I had this realization in prayer a couple of years ago that um, I can measure my own um, inner voice, uh, and, and, compare it to his, uh, because of how familiar he was becoming to me in the gospels, uh, Jesus. And so that, uh, when my inner desires and hopes and dreams, uh, sounded like his hopes and dreams, uh, and his way of speaking and his way of speaking, uh, um, his way of interacting with people, I can kind of trust that was from, from Jesus. And if it was foreign to him, uh, that was something I needed to like dispel or, or cast aside. I and mean, it could have been anything from the enemy working or, or just, you know, my own weird thoughts, <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's like, I feel that sense of love when I know my inner desires correspond to the voice that I recognize from the gospels as much energy and effort um, of searching and struggling for God that you are experiencing um, he is he is fighting just as hard uh, for you and he just wants you to trust him Uh, he just wants you to trust him Um, and to know that he is trustworthy uh, that he is worthy of your life um, your passions, your loves, and, and that he won't take anything away from you. He'll only make it better. Um, he will. He is a good vine dresser. Um, he will prune you, yes, with with your permission. Um, he seems to want to wait on you to give him permission to root out that which is um, ugly. That's his um, not of not of him, but he. He always going to ask you permission to do that. And it might be painful, but it's always going to be good. Um, and and he just wants to tend you as, as his vine, as the, the branches on his vine. Thank you for listening to Justin's story. I would love to share your story as well. Please connect with us on social media or by clicking on the join us link at knowhis.love.